Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. It is caught over there now, slipping, and the Chiefs will tackle him. This game is over. This game is over. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs as the AFC champions. First off, I just want to thank God, man. Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. What a freaking boost. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. And also, who says jabroni? I liked it. It's an old school rock call out, bringing it back. Very well done by Travis Kelsey. Good morning, A-Dog. Good morning. And good morning, Laddie, to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. He's done more for orthotics than Top Gun did for pilots. It's Jason Bruff. <laughs> we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Was there an uptick in pilots I since did, Top Gun? I, yes. You workshopped that in advance, didn't you? I've got the moment that he, on air, mocks me <laughs> for being predictable. I didn't just mm-hmm. take it as a criticism. I didn't I mock as- <laughs> you for being predictable. I literally spoke over you while you said the words that I knew you were going to say. I took it as a challenge. <laughs> That's the key thing. Kids, remember that at home, the... Dozens of you that are listening at 6 o'clock in the morning yeah, I was say, on a Monday. What, what part of the demographic is that? <laughs> All the children with sleeping problems that are now listening to this. All right, moving along. we got a big show. It is a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, we will begin our guest list today at 7 o'clock. That means you get an hour of uninterrupted Halford and Bruff right off the top. 7 o'clock, first guest, Nick Shook from NFL.com. The Super Bowl is set, and it is a good one. It is the number one seed in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles, taking on the number one seed in the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs. Did you see the line when it opened? Yeah, Eagles by two. But the Chiefs opened as a favorite for like a minute. Oh, really? And then they quickly flipped it to Philly. So I don't know if that was... (laughs) There's an avalanche of money! (laughs) So anyway, uh, we will talk to Nick Shook about all of that uh, as we preview two weeks of Super Bowl excitement here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 7.30, NHL.com. So we got NFL.com and NHL.com. Really great. Really great. Dan Rosen's going to join us from NHL.com. We'll go around the league as we get closer and closer to the All-Star break. I did not realize that the Canucks had such an extended All-Star break. Yeah, they got a massive break. There's games going on until Wednesday. They needed it. Yeah, that's, you know what? You know any, what's a well-earned vacation <laughs> yeah. for those guys? Who deserves it more than those guys out there? Uh, so that, 7.30, Dan Rosen's going to join us, uh, NHL.com. And then at 8 o'clock, it's iMac, Ian McIntyre. Uh, We can do a sort of look back at everything that happened over the weekend because, yet again, there was a number of stories coming from Canuckland. We can do the all-star break recap, look back, look ahead. Let's let's not look back. We can look back. I don't want to look back. I don't want to look back. We can look forward. Okay. Uh, There's only one NHL game tonight. It's the Blues and the Jets. There's eight NBA games. So, again, working in reverse, 8 o'clock, IMAX, 730 
Dan Rosen, 7 o'clock, Nick Shook. Uh, we have a big show ahead on a Monday. We have about a million Canucks things to get into. So without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? So I think because we've got an entire hour off the top here to recap everything that happened over the weekend, there was a lot. Let's start with the Canucks, and we'll take that to the first break, and then we can do an entire segment of NFL talk and whatever we don't get to in the second. That sound uh, good? Yeah, I have a feeling that our Canucks talk might might bleed into the might second bleed into the well. second one. We do need to address the fact that the Super Bowl is booked, but yep. we will move on from there. We're going to begin with the Canucks with the actual news on the ice from Friday. The Canucks oh, go into the All-Star break. Winners! They're winners, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what was it? A 5-2 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets on Friday. So that's win number two uh, for Rick Tockett since taking over from Bruce Boudreaux. Pedersen scored twice. Bo Horvat had four assists, a career high four assists. The Canucks took care of a, let's be clear, very bad Columbus Blue Jackets team 5-2 on Friday night at Rogers Arena. Yeah, Tockett is now 2-1 and as a head coach, uh, although kind of what you mentioned, both of his wins were of the dominant kind over really bad teams at Rogers Arena. So Tockett has gone um, very impressive, easy if you want to say it, win over the Chicago Blackhawks, um, and then down to Seattle for a <laughs> disastrous loss, really. That, Proper butt kicking. That left uh, Tockett speechless afterwards. And then they bounced back and took on a Columbus team, just a just an awful Columbus team. Uh, and they took care of business. Um, Petey is up to 21 goals and 58 points in 47 games. 58 points in 47 games. Um, I don't know what exactly that puts him on track for, um, but if he gets 100 points and then goes into the offseason and it says, I want to negotiate a long-term contract with the Canucks, they're going to be like, you're going to ask for a lot of money, aren't you? Yes. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be asking for a lot of money. Uh, Horvat is up to 54 points in 49 games, so over a point a game for this guy, 31 goals, uh, a kind of a rare night for Horvat with four assists and no goals. Um, he's definitely not known as a puck distributor. He's more known as a goal scorer, but it was good to see him get four assists. I thought Miller played well, too. I know there was one play that everyone was making fun of when he was diving for, I don't know, to break up a pass on, mm-hmm. on, on, you know, in defensive end. But I thought he played really well. He had two assists, and he could have scored about four goals with the chances he had. Um, but again, the Blue Jackets are a really bad team. Um, surely these weren't their expectations uh, this season after they signed Johnny Gaudreau. I, I know they've got a team that still needs to grow. They've got some young centermen and Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger that hopefully for those guys, when when they grow into their roles in the NHL, um, the Blue Jackets will be a good team. But they just seem like a team that's – like you've got your Gaudreau and you've got your Patrick Line, but the rest of the team isn't really mature enough. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, we, like, we talked to Aaron Portsline from the Athletic Columbus on Friday. Right. When you decided not to come to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll tell, tell I'm, you about I'm, my I'm, weekend. Um, but he, You're not kidding. He did decide not to come to work. I did decide not to come to work. Yeah. yeah. The, fir- the first question I asked was like, how disappointing has this season been? And he said there's no way to sugarcoat it. Like, yeah. Everyone is very, very upset with how this year has gone. They've kind of sunk into, well, we're going to be bad. 
Mm-hmm. So let's just accept that fate right now because their goaltending's bad. They've had ten injuries. But anyway, this isn't a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, real quick, you said the, the the point totals. Pedersen is on pace for thirty five goals and ninety seven points. Okay, so he could be a hundred point guy. Mm-hmm. Bo Horvat is on pace for fifty two goals. Yeah, it's remarkable, really. I know he's on pace for ninety points. So we'll see if those trends continue. The Canucks don't play again until a week from today, next Monday in New Jersey, when they go on a four game Eastern road trip after this extended break. Uh, but Petey and Horvat have to go to Florida for the All-Star game this weekend. Mm. Do you think those guys want to go? No. Like, there's no chance, right? No. Especially Horvat, who who might – can you imagine what's going on with Horvat? First of all, he's got a very young family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been very stressful um, it's been a tough year. being the captain of yeah. the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and, like, he, he might get traded, like, any day now. If there right? was ever a player that – would just pull the shoot and take the punishment, which I think you have to sit out a game after the All-Star break. Yeah, no kidding. Like the Canucks, the Canucks should be sitting this guy anyway. Speaking yeah. of the Blue Jackets, did you see Nyquist got hurt? I did. Like, the- this is what can happen. Well, this yeah. is what can happen. Then all of a sudden, the, the, the Blue, Blue Jackets are down a potential trade chip, or at the very least, you know, teams are like, well, we're not giving you full price for whatever we were going to give for old Gustav. Yeah, that's part of the reason why they picked up Lane Peterson mm-hmm. off waivers. Anyway, there's, we, we've talked about three different things that we actually want to talk about at, in detail and at length here, including, I think we should probably just get to this now, you mentioned injuries. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev, that was obviously the big news from the weekend. The big news after the game. Patrick Alvine had his 10 p.m. press conference or whatever it was on, on Friday, um, and he had some... Pretty big news, and that is Ilya Mikheyev being shut down with a torn ACL, expected to be ready for training camp. Now, when he said this, and this is how bad my memory was, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then everyone remembered. Didn't Frank Saravelli come on the Halford and Bruff show like four months ago and say the Canucks feared that it was a torn ACL that's for right, Jason. Mikheyev? And then they said it's – and then obviously everyone put – or the, the organization pushed back on Frank. It's, like, it's not a torn ACL. And then everyone yelled at Frank like, how dare you, Frank, scare us like that? Mm-hmm. Well, turns out Frank had it right. Uh, Mikheyev, in an unusual move – and it is unusual, folks. Yep. Canucks are an unusual team, though. He then took to Twitter to explain that he, in fact, was not upset with the Canucks. <laughs> And most of the time, um, you just assume that the player with the injury is not upset with the Canucks and Mm. it wasn't going to be a big deal that they were just all on the same page and they looked at the injury and they figured out a plan and then the plan came to fruition and good luck in your recovery. Uh, But the Canucks have, you know, they've had an unusual season and in the wake of the Tanner Pearson story, which isn't over yet, by the way, like we haven't heard where that is right now. We heard the PA got involved. And that's kind of the last we heard of it, but I've heard a few things from people in the know that said, hey, that story is not over yet, so yeah. uh, don't forget about it. Um, it perhaps, in the wake of all that, it perhaps wasn't surprising that the Canucks and Mikheyev and his representation took this PR route, which is where he goes out and says, listen, um, I wasn't pressured into doing this. Saw lots of doctors. We were getting uh, it monitored every once in a while. Like it, there was no, there was no risk to playing on this torn ACL. And the reason I shut it down at the time that I did shut it down was right. I wanted to be ready for training camp next season. Yep. Um, for me, it's it's not a big deal. I I did look at that and go, hmm, 
playing on a torn ACL, eh? That's interesting. And then I looked at a few things online and probably mistakenly tweeted out a few things. But there, I found a bunch of doctors that said, hey, you can play on a torn ACL, but unless you're like in the Olympics or it's a big event, I wouldn't recommend it. You I did would your just, own research. I, I did my own research, yeah. yeah. I also found some other stuff about some other stuff. <laughs> let me, let tell. me tell you, I'm going to... God, bro, microchips and everything. The internet is a scary place. Oh, my God. I learned a lot about medicine this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like with a few Google searches, there's a lot out there. Like, I don't even, I don't, I'm not even going to a doctor anymore. No. Um, I, anyway, like at the end of the day, for me, uh, as long as Mikheyev is ready to go for training camp, like is ready, as, as long as he's as good as possible for training camp next season, I'm fine. Well, I'll put it out there right now. If it turned out they waited too long and they didn't shut him down in time and he's not ready or he's still like, you know, I'm still, I'm still like still kind of recovering from this. My speed isn't quite there. I'll kind of shake my head and go, why wasn't this just done as soon as possible? Just kind of get it over with. Um, McKayev has played well for the Canucks. But on, the one, on one leg, it's pretty yeah, impressive, but, to be honest. But I think the one thing I noticed was, because I remember McKayev, like, I I remember watching him and going, like, this guy, has he is so fast. Like, this is unbelievable. And I actually remember saying, like, if he doesn't get the opportunity in Toronto, I wonder if he could somewhere else. And he ended up coming to Vancouver. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And then I watched him play, and I'm kind of like, he's fast, but I thought he'd be faster, right? Right? Like, it was one of those no, things know. where I was kind of disappointed. Um, and now we know why. The guy was playing on a torn ACL. Yeah, well, he had the very emotional um, media availability himself on Friday night. Mikheyev did. And, uh, you know, very, very emotional. Fighting back tears through most of it. And when asked about specifically what was what the hindrance was, he said it wasn't pain management or pain tolerance. It was, he called it power. And then if someone asked, is it affect your skating? And he said, yes, absolutely. So what you're looking at is a guy that still managed to put up 13 goals and 28 points over the course of 46 games. Mm-hmm. And I think that 46 games thing is important to know because he only missed a handful of games at the beginning of the year while initially recovering. And I think, honestly trying to get used to playing with a brace and understanding what life yeah. was going to be like playing with a torn ACL in the NHL. Now, I'll take a step further. Like I, there, I mean, not surprisingly, there was a lot of noise on social media about the Canucks handling of this. Bottom line for me is, like, the guy wants to play with something of that nature. You got to let him play. Well, as long as the doctors sign off on Yeah, it. exactly. But the yeah. doctors did. They found a rid- Look, I mean, I kind of disagree. I kind of disagree with you. Just like that whole like it's his choice. He can do whatever you want. It's not I think quite the, that. I think the club has to do what's in the best interests of the club. It's not quite that though. They got. I mean, there was medicine behind this. Like they went yes. to doctors. Yeah, of, course, right? of course, it's a lot different. Like as people. Well, that's like, why I said as long as he's back for training camp next season, he's 100 percent ready to go. I've got no problem with it. I saw a lot of people say, "Well, should the Dolphins have let Tua Tungavailoa decide if he could play or not?" I'm like, "Well, no, but that's an injury that you can." Doctors are going to say, "Please do not play. Mm-hmm. You could make this fundamentally worse." That wasn't the case here. At least according to what Mikheyev multi-tweeted out on Friday night or Saturday morning or whatever it was. I get all the arguments. I got time for them. I can appreciate it. Mm -hmm. This is an asset. There's just the, you know, I mean, the thing, remember with Buffalo, with Eichel, is there was a real divide between what he wanted to do medically and what the club wanted to do medically. 
Right? Well, the thing with medical issues like this is that not all doctors will agree on the best course of action. Exactly. It's it's not it's not exact science. Right. And there it's almost are, like you can cherry pick some of them off the internet. Well, and yeah, tweet like it out. an idiot. Yeah, uh, uh, which is why multiple opinions are sought out. Ultimately, the risks have to be weighed versus the rewards. Now, some people will say, okay, what was the reward of McKayev playing? Nothing. Right? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Well, in hindsight, I'm not surprised he didn't want to start his Canucks career with season-ending injury. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I was like, guys, thanks for the contract. I'll see you next year. Welcome to the team. Please and clear out your locker. For the Canucks, we all know how important getting off to a good start was. Right? We talked about it, and then they immediately face-planted, which is where you might find some people questioning the decision to delay surgery, right? Like, the, the problem with the Canucks is even though the doctors have apparently signed off on this, right, and the risk was minimal according to Mikheyev and, and his camp, right, mm-hmm. like, there's still the issue of <laughs> the Tanner Pearson story, which brought up the question is, are the players really happy with the medical help they're they're getting? And that's why the Canucks and Mikheyev decided to craft that statement, uh, put it out on Twitter. Like, obviously, they just wanted to get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. But there's also this notion, and this is more of a big picture notion, there's a notion that the Canucks always look at the short term and don't take a, take a look at the long term. They're, they're like, we want the results now, mm-hmm. and we're less willing to worry about the long term, which is getting – you know, like McKayev out there. We like we just signed this guy. We need him. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. But sure. listen, again, dial it back for me. I'm going to make my decision on this. How he looks at training camp. If it's if it's like, yeah, I'm still not ready to go. Then I'll be like, well, why did you wait so long last season in yeah. this meaningless season uh, before you shut it down and went? They say he's going to be ready for training camp. So hopefully he is ready for training camp because again, like this guy's a good player. And and even if you're on Team Tank, you don't want this contract to turn into another bad contract. Nope. You want this guy playing well so that this contract is an asset for the Canucks uh, as opposed to the negative value. Speaking of injuries and when players might return, when do you think we'll th- see Thatcher Demko back in a Canucks uniform and in the Canucks net? Now, uh, the Demko update as Tockett kind of alluded to over the weekend, is that the timeline put on it by the previous head coach, Bruce Boudreau, suggested that Demko wouldn't be able to return until early February. And now that the Canucks are on an all-star break and they're not going to be back until February 6th, that timeline certainly looks like it's in play. Demko skated during the most recently completed road trip. His equipment is now like back in an actual physical stall at Rogers Arena. So you assume that he's going to be coming back. But at the time of the injury, which was in early December, they were saying four to six weeks. And it's been nearly double that now. Uh, I'm assuming part of this is given their precarious positioning in the standings. There's no real need to rush him back. There's no short-term game here with Thatcher Demko because there's nothing to be gained at all. I don't think it's that, though. I just don't think he's ready. And I don't think go, he's ready. Right? Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I, again... Knowing this team, I think they'd put him back in there as soon as he's ready to roll. I think, well, now you've got the benefit of being able to be patient with everybody's injury because the season's toast. True. Right? I mean, they're yeah. shutting McCabe down. Right? right, yeah. So you may as well go the yeah. full nine. That's true. Yeah. yeah, so I'm looking at the Demko situation and saying, when do they get him back in? Because realistically, it makes an awful lot of sense to 
whole. I know he's going to want to play games. I know he's going to want to get back in. I know he's been out since early December. But him coming back and going on a heater does no good to this team. What do you make of Dollywall reporting that Canucks, uh, the Canucks are getting calls on Thatcher Demko and yeah, not well, like, hey, how's he doing? That it's was just, well, that was the like, other thing from Friday's show is we played yeah. the audio of Fridge. Yeah, Fridge said that too. Fridge was on Tim and Friends, and he said that you know he said I can't believe that I'm saying this, but Demko, yeah. I don't see how I saw made- that, and I wondered, I wondered, is that why they're getting calls because Fridge put his name out there? Yeah, we saw this thing on TV. Maybe this whole thing is Fridge's fault. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to say about are these rumors or just speculation, whatever. Uh, the Canucks have said they don't want to rebuild. So unless they have a solid plan B in net, and I don't think I don't think it's Spencer Martin, guys. I don't think it is. Two words: Arters Silovs. I'm not sure. Laddie's favorite goalie. Well, I'm not sure how trading Demko would fit their plan to turn this team around. It makes no in, sense in a year or two. To me, it, it really makes no sense. The only way, you know, like, and this is just me throwing. Like, I'm looking for ways that. You know, Demko could possibly be on the move. I don't think it would be a hockey related, like it, unless there's some sort of relationship problem. But that, I don't think that's a thing either, right? Like I certain, we need certainly certainly think- haven't heard anything about it. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering why his name would be out there. That's uh, all. One, I j- I just had a light bulb moment. Does Dan Milstein represent any goalies? I have to think about this because that could I mean the Canucks and Milstein are like <laughs> I just put that together. They're just together like glue. I was like, right what is now. Helfer talking about? Yeah. Like, oh, right. There's yeah. your because there would be He's your got Dem- Vasilevsky. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hello, here we go. It's done. No, I, I have I, you ever have you ever seen an agent work harder to make a hockey team look better? Like I is there a front office job waiting for Diamond Danny Milstein <laughs> somewhere in the future? Well, here? Milstein, of course, represents Kuzmenko. Direction go from the agent to or Mike Gillis. He's got some past history here. So Milstein, of course, represents uh, Kuzmenko and Mikheyev. Yeah, and it was just like and future Canucks goalie Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, do you here? Here, <laughs> have you heard of the phrase um, siege mentality? Yes. Do you know what it means? Don't ask me. Uh, do you know what it means? I don't know what it means, guys. Do you, Andy, uh, Laddie, have you guys heard of the word of the phrase siege mentality? Yes. Okay, do you know what it means? No. Okay. It's from like so, Age of Empires or something? Uh, or? N- no. Uh, siege does not know what you just said. Settlers there. of Catan? <laughs> uh, a siege mentality. Just getting ready for the worst? No, it's uh, it's basically like, um, oh, I'm, I'm going to get the uh, sociology, uh, the Wikipedia uh, definition. In sociology, a More si- internet research. <laughs> yeah, a siege mentality is a shared feeling of victimization and defensiveness, a term derived from the actual experience of military defenses of real sieges. It is a collective state of mind mm-hmm. in which a group of people believe themselves constantly attacked oppressed or isolated in the face of the negative intentions of the rest of the world. Do the Canucks not strike you as like this, this, this organization that feels like it's getting attacked from every angle and often is maybe unwilling to look at themselves as the reasons for those attacks but but often looks outside and says it's the media's fault or it's the the crazy fan base's fault or all that speculation. It's Twitter's fault. Like, and I kind of don't blame them because they are getting attacked from all angles right now. I can't imagine what it would be like to work for the Canucks right now. But you can see it in the way things are delivered to media members. Uh, you know, like little messages that we hear that are happening behind the scenes. Right, like they are. 
they they're like they're very clearly frustrated at the amount of criticism that they're getting and they feel and perhaps rightly so in some cases that there's a lot of piling on going on and anything they do like literally anything they do mm-hmm. is going to be taken as that's the wrong move yeah i and and that's what's happening right now that i think that was the reflexive nature of the mckayev tweet storm was exactly because of that. Like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's like getting out on the front foot in mm-hmm. advance of the criticism that you know is coming. You don't even have to have the criticism lobbed at you. And then people were criticizing that. They're like, there's no way he wrote those. And by the way, there is no way he wrote those. Those were like perfectly crafted by a PR team. Yeah, you just cut and paste it and you put it. You probably have some. It doesn't matter. Doing that it doesn't matter. I, mean, I would love to have honestly, someone do it my matter. Twitter for me, by Me the too. Way. That'd be awesome, right? Well, it'd be better than your Twitter. That's when you right know you've now. made it when someone else runs your, your Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Like, just talk to my guy. I got a Twitter guy. But yeah, that's. I bet, I bet he'd do less um, like third division soccer. No. Whoever wrote that. No, not third division. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, Rex, Rexham's in the fifth division. <laughs> 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 I say I was on the cutting edge of Rexham over the weekend. We're, we're right up against break. I, w- I do want to mention that really quickly because we'll talk about it I don't want you going show. into a siege mentality about your Twitter. No, 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 no. Always, Everyone's criticizing my Twitter. No one criticizes my Twitter because I don't do anything on That's it. That's true. It's actually. so They infrequent. don't even know you yeah, have it. Exactly. It's hard to get criticized when you don't do anything. Uh, we'll talk about this, the, the Rexham thing later because it was on Sportsnet on the weekend. Like all, They had all the prominent FA Cup matches. So the, for those that missed it, Ryan Reynolds was over there, uh, and I don't know if you saw from the Philly tailgate ahead of the Eagles game, but uh, Rob McElhaney was there. Yeah, they were all watching They were it. all watching the Wrexham game. It's, yeah. a, it's amazing, really, when you Wrexham think— Wrexham is Philly's team now. It is, though. They were, they were loving mm-hmm. it. Like, when they went up 3-2, uh, all the Eagles fans were going crazy. Yeah. And McElhaney was in the tailgate with them just they were jumping like, around. W-R-E-X-H. They, they loved it. It's, yeah, it's pretty great, man. I'm not going to lie. It doesn't have the same ring. There's too many letters, but it's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll talk about that later in the show because there is a bigger story than just what Wrexham did against Sheffield United yesterday. But there's a lot to get into. Uh, coming up on the other side, we will continue the Canucks conversation. We can get into the Super Bowl. Fairly noteworthy game. The places are now booked with the Eagles and the Chiefs. There's a lot more to get into, period. Nick Shook is going to be our guest at 7 o'clock. Dan Rosen at 7.30. It's a big show. They often are on Mondays because we have a lot to get into. We'll go to break. We'll come back and we'll talk more sports on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Again to Hughes of the point. Left circle Miller. Right side. Pedersen, one-timer. He scores! A puck trickled through Corpus Salo. Well, you know what? I, I like the resiliency and... In- in- in the NHL, you have to be a resilient team. You know, uh, obviously, we had a stinker in Seattle, and we came back and we put that in a good uh, game plan. 6.33. It's building. Let's go! On a Monday, Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6.50. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. So your Vancouver Canucks will now not play hockey for another entire week. They got an early start to their all-star break. They won't be back in action until a week today, Monday. There are a lot of people wondering whether that game on Friday against Columbus was Bo Horvat's last home game for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, And we're going to be wondering stuff like that until he's either traded or re-signed. 
Um, the Canucks are on extended break. They don't play again until next Monday in New Jersey. It's the All-Star break. Horvat, of course, is part of the All-Star game. He's going to Florida along with Elias Pettersson. That's on Friday and Saturday. Um, the Canucks have a four-game Eastern road trip after the break goes through New Jersey, the two New York teams, and finishes in Detroit. And then both those teams, Detroit and Vancouver, go to Vancouver for a game Monday, February 13th. Um, I don't know when Horvat's going to be traded, uh, if he's going to be traded. I wouldn't be surprised if the Canucks made one last push at trying to sign him. Uh, who knows what's going on? You know, we got Rick Dollywall saying that the Canucks refused to meet with his agent, and then Patrick Alvin said, I met with his agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're kind of like, all right, what's going on That there? was very confusing. Um, the one thing that uh, I've said a few times, um, and with the Canucks being willing to shut down the likes of Ilya Mikheyev now for the season, kind of punting on the season, and Patrick Alvin outright saying like, hey, look, where, where are we in the standings right yep. now? Like, we're, we're not going to make the playoffs. Why is Horvat still playing for them? Like, the risk to me just does not seem worth it. Like, what is what is the upside in Horvat playing, honestly? Is there any ups, uh, upside in him playing? Any? No. The code? But, is that what it is? Yeah. Like, you just it, don't shut? Like you just this don't do it. You just don't do you it? You just don't do it. Well, I, did you see what happened in Nightquest? Yeah. Like, he's I mean, hurt? We talked about it in the, op- he's in hurt the opening now. segment. I get all of it. I get all of it. It doesn't make any sense. It feels like unnecessary risk. He's proven everything he needs to prove. And if your argument is, well, the trade market could fundamentally shift or alter, making him even more valuable, then yeah, it would make him even more valuable. Do not risk getting him hurt. But there's so many games left before the trade deadline. You can't just keep the guy uh, in bubble wrap or on mothballs. Like it doesn't. Yes, you can. You can't. Yes, you can. Why not? I, well, okay. You can't. He won't, he'll want to play because he wants to pile up the goals for his contract negotiations. Here's, I'm sure. Here's how I'll describe it. You can't, but you can. But you can't. Does that make sense? No. Okay. Uh, it's it's 100%. I hate using such a nebulous term, but it's the code. It's They, they just don't do it. The NHL doesn't do it. General managers don't do it. Coaches don't do it. No one is hardwired to think that way, which is a shame because – if anything happens to Hor- now they'll probably sit him a, like the game before if it gets right down to the actual marrow <laughs> and it's the game before the trade deadline then it's like okay now we can do it but you're right the season's shot they're not getting anything out of these games these 10 or some odd games that are going to exist between the all-star break and the trade deadline can you imagine if he gets hurt yes I mean, obviously, Don't obviously. Even say that. Well, you may as well say the quiet part out loud. Everyone's Maybe wondering it. Everyone's saying it. It's the biggest risk right now. Yeah. Right. I just, I just don't a, understand. Like this is this is people are calling this the biggest and the most important potential trade for the Canucks since like the Pavel Bury trade. Hey, make sure you can still make the trade. Like the Nyquist thing is is a very important one to consider here because. Uh, he all signs pointed to him being ready to go. He was in the final year of his contract. He's the type of guy that a lot of contenders would circle back on as a, well, we, we tried our top target, but Nyquist can score some goals and he's played in the playoffs before. He's got some experience and they didn't even take the risk or sorry, the calculated risk to sit him out. Like they just played him until he got hurt and now he's hurt. That's a very NHL way of going about your business. It's not great. Horvat is 10 times more. Uh, significant, important, and valuable than Nyquist. All due respect to Gus Nyquist. But 
this is not just about Horvat. This is very much about the team that's trading him that everybody in the league knows needs to hit this deal out of the park. Karn texts in, so Bo picking up four assists last game doesn't help his value. Oh, were people unaware that Horvat was having a good season? Well, yeah, come well, on, just man. the four assists, like... Have you guys heard about this Bo Horvat was there, guy? Was there a potential GM out there? He's like, I don't know, but then I saw him play against Columbus. Yeah, and really I put thought, him on the map. This is our guy. Triple you know, underlines, four assists. Yeah, everyone knows that if you can put it up against Columbus, yeah. then you're ready for the playoffs, right? You're going to be a playoff difference maker, Karin. Mm-hmm. Um, look, hopefully the whole thing is dealt with soon, and he's. we don't have to talk about this, and we don't have to hold our breath every time that Horvat is out there, I don't know, killing a penalty, like, don't block the shot. Let it go through. Nobody's blocked shots all season. Don't start now. No, why would you? And the other thing, too, I will say, um, there is some potential intrinsic value in waiting because you drive up the price, theoretically. A lot of things can happen. I mean, what happens if another potential trade target? You can wait. Just don't play him. Play him. Yeah, exactly. That's what you have to do. Like, it's your your decision as a hockey team Mm -hmm. whether or not you play players. It's your asset. Yes. It's your yes. massive asset that you need to to turn into like, help for the future. Between now and the deadline, let's say, and this is totally within the realm of possibility, that Jonathan Taves decides he's not going to move. He just doesn't want to entertain it. He's talked to his agent. He's going to shut it down. He's going to finish his contract with the Blackhawks and finish that time with the Blackhawks. So there's one guy off the market. Then let's say that Ryan O'Reilly gets dinged up. Say fractures his foot blocking a shot for the sure. Blues. Okay. So now all of a sudden, the Horvat market, it, it's peaked its froth. It's right up there. Like it is now any other guy that you wanted to get as a potential 1B or 1C after her, they're gone. So the, the asking price gets even higher. Advantage Canucks. Thing is, you can't get him hurt. I don't freaking boost. Thank you. I don't know what he's, I don't know how this is going to play out. I think I do, unfortunately, is I think that he's going to keep taking regular shifts Every mm-hmm. night, and everyone's just going to cross their fingers and pray that he doesn't get hurt and that you can trade him for max value at the deadline. You know, I felt kind of ripped off over over the weekend that there was so much going on with the hockey team that we didn't have time to get up in arms about Lane Peterson being claimed off waivers by Columbus. Like, we had to shove that to the back. Rightly, you know, if, rightly so. If this was standalone news, we would have had a full show on it. Right. We would have got Peterson's <laughs> agent on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was fine for the Canucks, but he's not part of the future. He did everything that he was asked to do. He came yeah. along. He came along with Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. Had someone to travel from Carolina with. It was great. I wonder if Jeremy Carlson is like the most upset person, right? Probably. Because that's a good point. Lane that's Peterson point. could have helped him, you know, do something in the in in the in the playoffs for the Abbotsford Canucks. Yep. But uh, well, Peterson gets awarded now by going to Columbus. Yeah, he gets to play NHL minutes. That's true, right? You yeah, get to parlay that into. Something. I mean, he. I, I thought there were times that he played. F- fine but then there were times that i was like he shouldn't be in the top six and he's probably not great on the fourth line either so no <laughs> you know and, what i mean yeah and i mean you know what it's been a it's been a decent little year for these journeymen i think sheldon dries has had a, a nice run mm-hmm. with the canucks right peterson had a night but they, they don't these guys don't matter in the grand scheme of things unfortunately i, I mean, mean they no do as g- human beings you ma- you matter you do matter lane peterson you right. matter sheldon dries Okay. Uh, are we good on all the Canucks stuff? Because I feel like for we're now, gonna, for we, now, yeah, we're we, going to we, talk to IMAC later in the show, so we can talk more hockey with him. Uh, let's get into the NFL because there were a couple big games yesterday. Obviously, you know the title games to go to the Super Bowl. They're often <laughs> yeah. considered big games. One of them was a compelling 
watch the whole way through. The other one was, I guess, compelling. It in wasn't a even a football way, game. but in, in that you couldn't believe how bad the injury luck was for the 49ers, but the game was not competitive. Let's start with that. Yeah. Um, when Josh Johnson came in, yep. he was the fourth string quarterback overall. Right, because we went from Trey Lance to Jimmy G to Brock Purdy to Josh Johnson, and then Josh Johnson got hurt, and we were back to, and then the fifth string quarterback was Brock Purdy without an arm, yeah. elbowless Brock Purdy who came yeah. back in. So, in case you missed it, uh, just an absolutely dominant performance by the Eagles, aided in large part because of the injuries that the 49ers had at quarterback, thirty-one to seven. Philly, I mean, in their two playoff games, just smoked the competition. Now, granted, this game on Sunday almost exclusively had to do with the fact that Purdy got hurt. Like, I know that he was the third string guy, but the moment Josh Johnson came in, you just know you saw it play out. And yeah, it was done. They he was done. way over his head. Yeah. Multiple uh, delay a game penalties because he wasn't getting the call into it. He just couldn't do everything quickly enough. He couldn't get the call in from the sideline. He couldn't orchestrate the huddle. I don't think he could hear. Yeah, and that was a big problem, too, because mm-hmm. the link was so loud. So you're looking at it, and you're saying, do they stand a chance? Nope. No. Now, the crazy part, and I've really never seen this this deep into the playoffs before, is by the time this game got into late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and Purdy had to come back in, and Purdy suffered an ulnar nerve damage in his elbow, he couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards. He just His arm wasn't working, basically. So he started handing off the ball to Christian McCaffrey almost every play. And in certain instances, McCaffrey started taking direct snaps from the center and yeah. playing the Wildcat. It mm. was it, – honestly, it became – And that was when they were down big, too, right? It's, it sort of became like a pseudo-exhibition. Yeah. Because the, you, you almost were watching and you're like, can they just kneel out the clock with like 11 mm-hmm. minutes remaining in the fourth quarter? Because they were done. You can't win without a functional quarterback. So I guess now the question for San Francisco um, is like, who's going to be their starting That's quarterback? That's a great question. We debated that the entire second half. On yeah, because you went, you went and uh, hung out with your buddy who's a big Niners fan. So he must have been thrilled watching that. What I mean, what what were you guys... Debating, do, do they go back to Trey Lance? Um, I, I would imagine that they go back to Trey Lance. Like, that was their plan all along. You go back to Trey Lance. Jimmy G finally goes to another team. He's gone. And then Brock Purdy sticks around maybe as the insurance backup. The question that we all had was, do you just let it be an open competition? Do you say, Brock, you've done more than enough to justify having a real shot at the starting job? Yeah. Which I think he has. Or did, did he s- play better overall than Trey Lance in the limited? Did Trey Lance so have enough to time tell. to? Do Trey Lance anything? played that one game at the beginning of the year. Remember that slop game in Chicago yeah. where it was super messy and it was all over the place. And then he got hurt so early in the second game against the Seahawks, mm-hmm. you didn't really see anything. Uh, my friend, who is a diehard Niners fan, said, "I've seen more from Purdy, and I think the organization has as well." That there were some serious red flags about where Lance was in his in de- development. Yeah, athletically, he's got way more upside. That's why he was such a high pick. And that's why Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. But Jimmy G's got to go somewhere else, though. He's right? gone. He's, He's gone. gone. He's gone. Jimmy go. G, New York Jets. You can hang out with Zach Wilson. You guys can just tear through the mum circuit together. I want Aaron Rodgers to go to the Jets. Yeah, that'd be interesting as well. Uh, he's going to have to restructure his contract in mm-hmm. a major way because it's like a disaster to try and move. Does it sound like the Packers are the ones that want to move on now? 
Like that seems to be what I've read. I feel like the time has come where you have to see what you've got in Jordan Love, a guy that you right. spent first round draft capital on, and he's been sitting mm-hmm. there for a long time. And this year might have been the year where you say, Aaron, um, you kind of were all over your teammates all year about yeah. their lack of uh, professionalism and ability and production. Maybe now's the time to go somewhere else. But this, anyway, by the way, I, all apologies to the Eagles because we completely glossed over them here. They've been unbelievable in the playoffs. Now they got some luck against the Niners, but that went over the Giants. I know it was the Giants, but that was incredible. They and are the most well-rounded team in the NFL right now. You know what's great is that Jalen Hurts, like who I think we can all say like he's he's played well, 154 passing yards against the Giants, 121 he was against not the great. Niners. He was not great against San Fran. He right. really wasn't. That offense uh, kind of – they they grinded out the win. They I think they had four rushing touchdowns. Like They made a conscious effort to – once put it this way. Once Purdy got hurt and it was pretty clear that the, the Niners weren't going to score more than like 10 points max, the Eagles just kept kind of grinding and grinding and There was grinding. no need for him to – make high risk throws. I mean, I thought, I thought they just played it as smartly as you can. So here's the thing. The Eagles are going to be in the Super Bowl against the chiefs and they are currently two point favorites. Now, some people will debate that line and say, how can you make the, the Eagles favorites over, over the chiefs? Imagine if the Eagles win the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. and in the last, what, six or seven years, when everyone's been talking about the Chiefs have been the class of the league, the Eagles will actually have more Super Bowl wins over that time frame than the Chiefs because the Chiefs have have only won one Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and the Eagles, of course, won one with Nick Foles at well, quarterback the, the, when the, Doug the, Peterson was their coach. Like, and they and they've been through a complete change. Like, they've completely changed pretty much. Everything and they're back in the Super Bowl. In the span of five years, the dogs were asking me about this when we came in this morning, talking about the Eagles. In the span of five years, so they beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots in 2018, that 41 to 33 epic Super Bowl with the Philly Philly special and all that, right? Five years since, they have an entirely new quarterback and an entirely new head coach. That's a remarkable thing. And they're back in the Super Bowl and they're favored to be in the Super Bowl. It speaks to a lot of different things. One, I think, is how quickly you can turn around a program in the NFL. But the other thing is that if you get the right head coach and you get the right quarterback, and importantly, they work in tandem together, Yeah, that's where the new dynasties are, and that's where you can turn this thing over real quick. And you look at, I mean, I think right now um, the Mahomes legacy is obviously set. And No, uh, it's not. No, it's not. No, it 100% isn't set. His, it's not, he's won one Super Bowl. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about being like the preeminent quarterback of his. I mean, he's he's the yeah, best his, of this generation, his, right? Well, well his, anyway, his, his legacy still has a lot to be written. He would like to win more Super Bowls, without question. I'm saying like Mahomes is set as being uh, an elite, elite quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback well, in football. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, okay. Uh, Hurts sure. is. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, where he stacks up at the end of this, because it feels like he's part of that next generation, right? The the ones that are going to push for that mantle. But I, I mean, Mahomes is in such a class of his own, and it was funny. Uh, Martin Nagel put this on our text thread yesterday, and I never really thought about it until yesterday. But uh, how beloved he is by his teammates, right? Because mm-hmm. we were talking about like Russell Wilson now, right? It's like guys are yeah. lining up to throw shots at Russell Wilson. And, and, you know, you saw it in the, in the post yesterday where 
they really took the Chiefs. I mean, they really took the Burrow stuff yeah. to heart. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, I know Burrow is the flavor of the month, and everyone really likes well, him right now. They're calling him Burrowhead, or something yeah. Like and that then the, the mayor, the, it was the mayor of Cincinnati, did that little bit where he wanted ad- like adoption papers or paternity filing because Burrow was Mahomes' dad. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, I think what you saw in the aftermath there was a lot of guys that were like, Cincinnati was talking an awful lot coming into that game. And it was tight. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the penalty that led to the game-winning field goal for the Chiefs, it was a penalty? It was a penalty. There's nothing you can say about it. Yeah. I feel awful for Osai because I think – I think the, just, the I, officiating throughout the weekend was so inconsistent that people were like <laughs> – Whatever. But that had to be called. Had to be called. Had to be called. But getting back to my original point, um, I love love all the storylines going into the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs were the right choice. And by that, I mean, and it's kind of what you were talking about, where you're like, uh, Mahomes' legacy isn't set. In the Super Bowl, absolutely not. Because five title games at Arrowhead, Mm -hmm. one Super Bowl, you want to have that second one there that kind of puts you in a different echelon, right? It does because it puts you above the likes of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it puts totally. you above the likes of Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. If you have multiple Super Bowl victories, like it is different than that just because some people will say, well, you got the one, but that's a one-off. Like mm-hmm. Nick Foles has one. That's correct. Right? Like they'll bring up all the quarterbacks that Brad have Johnson, one. Trent Dilfer. And they'll put you in that conversation. <laughs> Jay and Delta, I think, with a great text here. What the Eagles should be teaching us is how important your offensive line is. They win yeah, in the trenches. I mean, they win in the trenches. How about their defensive line? How about the fact that they are ruthless? Jay and Delta is actually past. Pete Carroll. Yeah. Um, well, the, the interesting thing was, we, we, again, on Friday when I was talking to – who did we have on to preview on Friday? Oh, uh, Matt Verderam. Okay. I'm on. Uh, he was saying, like, this is going to be the first real test that Brock Purdy has against a really good – pass rush because mm-hmm. the Eagles had three guys with 11 sacks. I think they have four guys with seven or more. What happens? <laughs> they hurt them early they in the them. game, early in the game. But the, yeah. the turnover was a big one too, because the, the Niners were in Eagles territory and it looked like, okay, he's kind of figured out a couple things early in the game. Mm-hmm. So not only does the pass rush knock Brock Purdy out of the game, they get the turnover as well. They had another one on Josh Johnson where he just kind of dropped the football. But that to me is, um, why Philly's so dangerous? Like they can kill you with that pass rush. They can kill you with running the ball because their offensive line is so good. And then when needed, Hertz does have the big playability. We saw it on the opening drive with that amazing catch that wasn't a catch, by the way. And by the way, if a wide receiver pops up and is rushing back to the line of scrimmage to try and get a playoff, mm-hmm. that means a hundred times out of a hundred, he knows he didn't catch the football. Yeah. I don't Let's know. Let's go, guys. Hurry up. Yeah. Like, Hurry he's, up. He's, Let's not, go. he's not doing it because he's just really excited. Yeah. He's doing it because he knows that the ball hit the ground. I snap don't, the ball. Why are we waiting so long? Let's I, snap it. Guys, should we snap the ball? Should we hurry this up? I don't know why <laughs> Shanahan just didn't call a timeout. Just call a timeout. Give everyone a chance to look at it because it was 100%. I, the first thing we say, we're like, wow, Smith's really hustling to get back to the line. Great hustle. Uh, yeah. It's like, and it's not just because he's really excited about the next play. Like, he wants to get the snap off. So that was a gaffe on their part. But let's be honest, as soon as per- Purdy got hurt, yeah, it was over. It didn't matter what happened there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's going to be 
a fun Super Bowl. I was I, I wanted Cincy to go because I like Cincy better as a team, but I knew in my heart of hearts that Chiefs Eagles is the best possible Super Bowl. Kelsey versus Kelsey. Andy they Reed. play wildly different positions. They act wildly differently. You wouldn't even know they were brothers except for their surnames. Uh, Andy Reid mm-hmm. going up against his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Right, so that's yeah. going to be a cool storyline. Seems like as well. a long time ago that Andy Reid was with the Eagles. Super though. long time yeah. ago. It was the Donovan McNabb era. They've had yeah, so well, many quarterbacks since yeah. then, right? So. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. I wish there wasn't the bye week. Mm-hmm. I really I like that. Remember that one COVID year where they just went from the championship weekend right into the. Well, the Super we've Bowl? got we've got an All Star break for the Canucks. Yeah, and they're not playing again until next Monday, and we've got a bye week for the Super Bowl. So uh, we're actually gonna have to work hard trying to put together a show. Yeah, man, honestly. Like Unless there's more Canucks drama, but I feel like they're going to take the week off. They're going to be like, let's just not do anything. Yeah. There's a time to make up a just, trade rumor? Yeah, I was going to say, just start a bunch of juicy trade rumors. One per show. Every yeah. day By the end of the week, week they'll be so Guys, mad at I've, us. I've, I've, heard, <laughs> I've heard some things about Petey. <laughs> uh, okay, we got a lot more to get into before we get ourselves in trouble for libel. Uh, we got a big guest hour coming up. 7 o'clock, Nick Shook, NFL.com. Uh, we will talk to him about... The Super Bowl matchup, the NFC and AFC championship games. Let's ask him what the 49ers should do at quarterback or what he thinks they'll do at quarterback now that they've got a really interesting dilemma on their hands. Imagine if he's like, I think Aaron Rodgers is the right guy for them. You know, he is from the Bay Area. <laughs> he's a California guy. Uh, so we can talk to Nick about that at 7 and 7.30. Dan Rose and NHL.com uh, kind of do like a, a mid-season, but past mid-season primer where we look back. Now that the All-Star break is upon us, although not for all teams, there still are some NHL games to be played before everyone goes to the All-Star game. we got a lot more to get into. Don't go anywhere. It's the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.